Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Behold how he loved him. I want to preach a sermon. The Lord laid this on my heart. I don't know, I, I'm not sure why the Lord laid it on my heart. I figure somebody needs to hear this or he wouldn't have laid it on my heart. Amen. But uh, it's kind of a, a different sermon. But uh, I want to preach this morning on why did the Lord take my child? Why did the Lord take my child? I want to preach this morning on why the Lord took your child and why the Lord might have took your child. If you have a young child that has died or has passed away, uh, gone on to be with the Lord in heaven, I want to show you some verses that will maybe comfort you this morning. I can't even begin to understand the pain you must be going through. I can't even begin to understand the sorrow that must be in your heart that will never go away. But I can tell you a man that does, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I read these verses to show you that Jesus does care for your pain. It says that when Jesus, verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible right there is verse 35 where it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept over their tears. Jesus knew where Lazarus was. Jesus knew the truth that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus Christ knew that Lazarus was okay. But Jesus Christ seen the tears that Mary had on her face. Jesus seen the weeping and the crying. and the, He seen the pain that Mary, Lazarus' brother, was going through. And Jesus was touched and groaned in the spirit and he began to cry. Jesus has tears to go with your tears for the loss of your loved one. He does care, but He does have a plan. And I want to comfort you this morning with some verses to show you that Jesus Christ has a plan and things are going to be okay. Turn to Romans chapter 4, please. I'm going to show you some verses to sh that you need to know if you've lost a loved one, especially a young child in here this morning. Romans chapter 4, 15. Romans chapter 4, verse 15. I'm going to show you firstly, and I want to assure you, I want to assure you with all assurance that your child's in heaven. I want to assure you with all assurance of biblical assurance that your child, if your child has died at a young age, your child is in heaven. Romans chapter 4 verse 15. It says here, Paul's writing to us, just, uh, discussing the truth about the, uh, how God works in the law. And he says, because the law worketh wrath, where, for where, there, where no law is, there is no transgression he says when there's no law there can be no transgression if other words if there's no law that you can't speed down the road then you can go as fast as you want to and what he's referring to is look look at romans chapter 5 read romans chapter 5 verse 13 and i'll explain this these go hand in hand so turn to i read you romans 4 15 turn to 5 13 turn to 5 13 read this with me for until the law sin was in the world for but sin is not imputed when there is no law 
Those verses show you that when a child cannot understand the difference between good and evil, and we would call this, as a, it's not a biblical term, but we call it as a theological term, we call it as the age of accountability. When that child has not reached the age of accountability, well, he does not understand the difference between good and evil. God does not account to him anything he does as a sin. He's not under the law. He's not, there's no transgression. Verse 13, sin is not imputed when there is no law. I'm here to tell you that with all assurance that your child, if your child has died at a young age, your child is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Your child is in heaven. Because God is not going to lay sin to anyone who does not understand the difference between good and evil. This also applies, my friends, this also applies to anybody who's mentally challenged. You, it doesn't matter what age they might be. They might be at the age of 60. But if their mental capability is not able to dif- differentiate the difference between good and evil, God's not going to hold that sin against them. They have assurance to be with Him up in heaven. Amen. What keeps you out of heaven is sin. And God's not going to hold that sin accountable to you when you don't understand the difference between good and evil. But what gets you into hell is, your, is you know the difference between good and evil. And when you understand and you reach the age of accountability, and you reach that age, you understand the difference between good and evil, God, from that point on, is going to start holding you accountable for what you're doing. That's when you need that sin payment of Jesus Christ that He gave to you at the cross of Calvary through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's when you need that payment. But before then, you're not held accountable. God's not going to hold you accountable. He's not going to hold any, any child accountable for the sin they do if they don't know the difference between good and evil. So then there comes the question of, well, what is the age of accountability, brother? Keegan, what is that age? Well, let me see if we can figure that out together. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let, let's study this together. And, and I'll show you what I believe the age of accountability probably is. And it's different. Every age is different. There's no age you can put on somebody. Every person is different underneath the sound of my voice. But let me, let me show you, uh, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, that God has a number. He does have a number on, you, on your age, and He's not going to hold you accountable for that sin. So if you die at a young age, as a little child, you're going to go to heaven. You got that ticket straight up into heaven. And that's what I want to assure you this morning. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse, 30, verse 39. Moreover, your little ones. Now, let me, let me stop and, and explain what's going on here. God's talking about, the Lord is talking about that when He got them ready to take them over to the promised land, they sent over spies, and the spies come back, and they, they gave an evil report. But Caleb and Joshua, they said, we need to go over and conquer the land. God's given us the land. Well, all of Israel, they turned on the Lord, and they said, well, no, this is scary. We, don't, we can't take this land. They, had, they lacked faith to go into the promised land. And, and they said, well, if we go in there, all our little children are going to die, and they're going to be a prey to all these giants over there. And so God, in, in, got, His wrath rose up on them. He says, okay, for that, you're not going to the promised land. Period. You're done. You're not going to promised land. But your little ones will. Look at verse 39. Moreover, your little ones, which ye said should be a prey. They said we're going to be destroyed if they went over to the promised land. And your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil. See, he says those children. He says first he calls them little ones. Moreover, your little ones, which ye said, said should be a prey. And your children. So there's little ones, little bitty babies like what Joker's got in his arms. But then he says, not only little ones, the little babies, but children. Which in that day had no knowledge of, between good and evil. This is what I've been talking about this morning. 
in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5. These are children that had no knowledge of good and evil. God says of that, they shall, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. So there he says, those little ones, those children, they're going to go in when you're not going to go in. Well, what's interesting about this is why I turn to this scripture. First, I want to show you that there's a knowledge between good and evil. And that, doesn't, that sometimes won't apply to you, even if you're 60 years old, if you're mentally challenged, amen. But I want to show you, turn into Numbers, that he gives an age of this. Turn to Numbers chapter 14. Turn back to the left to Numbers chapter 14. Now, guys, who reads Numbers? Who reads Deuteronomy? Well, you should be. All the stuff, I'm getting this stuff out of the Old Testament. A lot of the stuff in the New, you know, people say, well, you don't need the Old Testament. You know, we got what we need in the New Testament. You've got to understand, when the writers of the New Testament, like Paul, when Jesus Christ is talking to the, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, when, when these people like Jesus and Paul, they're talking in the New Testament, they're assuming you have a knowledge of the Old Testament. They're assuming you have a knowledge of the law and of the Old Testament. Some of these assumptions people take for granted when they, all they do is read the New Testament. No, you need to go back to the Old Testament. You, I'm not saying you don't rightly divide the word of truth. You rightly divide it. But the Old Testament, we, we can understand God's will, God's thinking, how God thinks. Look at Numbers chapter 14. Look at verse 29. Now, this is, this, this is when all this takes place. I just described them not wanting to go in. And you can read all about this in Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 13. You can really read about this. But for time's sake, this is when all of this takes place, when they won't go over to the land, and God gets mad at them, and he says, okay, for that, you're not going in, but your children were. Now, look at verse 29, Numbers chapter 14, verse 29. Your carcasses, talking about these men and women that would not go over to the promised land, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. He puts a date on it. He puts an age on it. And in that age, he says, anybody that's 19 years and younger, they're going to be okay. But if you're 20 years and older, you're not going into the promised land. So right there, we've got, we've got an idea of what God's calling the age of accountability. He's putting it at 19 years and younger. They didn't know the knowledge of good and evil. You see what I'm doing? You see how I've tied those two verses together? Just in case you don't know for sure if that's what the Lord's talking about, look at verse 33. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. So when you take verse 29 and you take it with verse 33, he calls them children. He calls anybody under the age of 19 19 and under as children. That's what the Lord God does. So I can't tell you exactly what the age of accountability is. But right there, God's saying if it's 19 years and younger, they didn't know the knowledge of good and evil. Here's the curse that you put on your kids. When you start bringing your kids into church and they hear the gospel and they're getting around the gospel light and the light of the gospel out of the word of God, that age of accountability is going to drop, friends. Because they're around the truth. And they're getting light. And that might be... I, I'm telling you, I've heard of men and women getting saved at five years old. And I've heard people scoff like, ah, they can't understand what they're doing. I believe they've been... They were, and these are people, men and little boys and girls that were under good preaching, good moms and dads that taught them the Bible, that taught them about Jesus, and they had a knowledge of good and evil at a young, young age. 
And they came to that knowledge. And when they came to that knowledge, conviction came into their heart. And the Holy Spirit spoke to the heart. And they got saved. It might have been at five. Some of us in here got saved at 10 years old. Some of us got saved at 15 years old. I don't know when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I got saved at 17, which is under 19. But I knew a knowledge of good and evil. I was raised in church. I knew the difference between good and evil. I had that knowledge. Now, a boy or girl that is living under a sinful, hateful family that doesn't know God, that doesn't have anything to do with God, that doesn't go to church, now, they might not have the same knowledge of good and evil. And God might let them slide. I don't know what God's going to do, but he's showing you right there, amen, that it was 19 and under. So I'm here to tell you, if you have a young child that's, that's passed away, that the Lord's took on home with him, I'm telling you right here, according to the scripture, that child is in heaven. Rest assured, your child's in heaven. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Now we're going to get a little deeper into this. Mark chapter 10. I want to show you how Jesus Christ feels about all this. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they brought young children to him, and that's to Jesus, and they, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. So Jesus is there like he was. and So these people start bringing their children to Jesus Christ. And the disciples says, get that brat away from Jesus Christ. You can hear them, right? And I know Peter was one of them, amen? You know, Peter said, get that brat away from, that snotty-nosed brat away from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Get that brat away from God. Get, you know, get that, that, little, that little heathen away. Amen? You know, you've been around people like that. Well, children should be seen, not heard. You grew up with people saying that all the time? I'm the total opposite, guys. I love little children. And y'all bring y'all's uh, grandkids in here. They do not bother me one bit. I love them. I love them when they come walking up here when I'm in the middle of preaching. That's a little child, amen? That's, that's a little child. That's a blessing. And the older I get, the more I love little children. And I love being around little babies and around young children. I love what they say. I love how they talk. I love how innocent they are. I love how they'll just tell you straight to your face you've got a big nose. <laughs> you don't have no hair. Uh, yeah, I don't have no hair. You're, you got a big nose. Yeah, I, I got a big nose. You're fat. Yeah, yeah, I'm fat. You know, you know how they are. You don't let, that's why you don't let your little children talk to people in the supermarket, amen? You don't know what they're going to say. That's why I love little children. Well, Peter and, and the disciples were like that. They're like, get that away. Get them away, get them away from Jesus Christ. Because, you know, children usually tend to be loud, amen? And, and, and that'd be annoying. That can be annoying to some of us. So they're trying to keep him away from Jesus. But look what Jesus says in verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much, look, much displeased. It didn't say he was a little bothered. It said he was much displeased. Jesus wasn't happy at all about that. When he saw that they were keeping the little children away from him, he said he was much displeased. And he said, and said unto them, Hey, suffer the little children come unto me. Let them come unto me. And for them, forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter, in, enter therein. What does a little child do? They believe and they believe with all their heart. They can hear Santa Claus running on the rooftop with the reindeer at Christmas time. They believe it, they hear it, they know it. And that childlike faith, that they believe anything you say to them, and you remember, that's what I love about little children too, is I tell them all these big stories that are lies and they believe every word of it. And I just keep, and then the more I see their eyes getting bigger, the more my story gets bigger. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it because I can see they're eating it up. So then I tell them about how the Indians had me captured. And, you know, and, and, and back when I was in Vietnam, Charlie had me captured and, and you know, all this stuff. And, and I was in this concentration. You know, whatever. You just make up these stories and the kids' eyes get bigger, bigger, bigger because they had that childlike faith. We as Christians, before you can receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've got to have that childlike faith. You can't expect Jesus to show up and you can't, you can't see him. He's not going to speak to you audibly. You've got to receive him with that childlike faith. Believing he's there when you can't see him. Believing he's listening to you when he's not talking back. That's childlike faith. That's what Jesus is talking about right there. That's what a little child has. That's how God wants us to enter towards him. Verse 16, look what Jesus does though. And he took them up in his arms. Put his hands upon them and bless them. Amen. I'm here to tell you, your child, your child is safe in the arms of Jesus. Amen. If your child has went on and passed away and I don't know how it would have happened, uh, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. I know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says your child is safe, is oh so safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is. Uh, your child is safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves little children. And uh, I can't explain to you why he would do that. All I can tell you is maybe the Lord wanted them more than you do. You know, uh, I, heard a, I heard a preacher was talking and he said uh, there was an old hillbilly that everybody loved and he died. And uh, another, another hillbilly came up there and uh, they were t- everybody was distraught. And, one, and the preacher said, I can't believe... I can't believe God took, took the hillbilly home. Everybody loved this hillbilly. And that other hillbilly said, well, maybe God loved him more. Maybe God wanted him up in heaven more than we wanted him down here. You know, maybe, maybe the Lord Savior Jesus Christ, he loves your child so much, he says, well, I want, that, I want him up here with me. Or her up here with me. It's a blessing God gave him to you in the first place. I know the world don't see it that way. The, Lord, the, Lord, the world sees it as some kind of molecules got together and it's just all this some evolutionary process and it just come on out. Until you have a kid of your own and then you realize, no, there's something special right there. Yeah, that's God's hand right there. And it's a blessing that God was blessed me enough to give me a little child. But he don't have to let you keep them. The Lord loves little children, and you can't mess with children. Look, look you're in Matthew, I mean, Mark chapter 10. Just look, just probably across the page, look at Mark chapter 9. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 42. The Lord loves little children and defends little children. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Look what Jesus Christ said about little children. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believes in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Uh, I can't, I, I think about that and I think, man, what, what's, a, you, know, me, you know, maybe you were like me, but when we were growing up, uh, we would think, what's the worst way to die? You know, be shot, stabbed, you know, run over, be eaten by sharks, bears. But when you start thinking about getting a millstone wrapped around your neck, big old heavy stone wrapped up tied to your neck with a rope, and then you're thrown into an ocean that's deep, 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 and you just are sinking down and you're drowning and you know you're going to die and you get all that time to think about it. That's like, to me, the worst way to die would be to fall. Wow, you know. Jesus Christ says, it would be better for you if that happened to you than to mess with the little ones right there, see. You don't think Jesus doesn't defend little children? You don't think Jesus Christ doesn't love little children? He loves them. Jesus Christ is a defender of little children. 
especially those little children right there, what? The little ones that believe in me. If you're a professor or a teacher or anybody that has little children underneath the sound of my voice, that, or that has power over little children on the sound of my voice, and you're taking these little children that believe in Jesus Christ, and you're trying to destroy their faith, you're trying to tell them there is no God, woe be unto you. If you're some professor and you got some innocent 17-year-old kid that was raised in church by a godly parent and you got them in your class and you're mocking their parents and mocking their God, telling them there is no God and that Bible's a lie and you're destroying the faith of that little one, Jesus Christ says, it'd be better for you if a millstone were hanged about your neck and you were cast into the sea. Woe unto you, professor, teacher that does that. And we got them all over America doing that. As soon as they get into class, that teacher says, Oh, well, that, that, you, that's just a fairy tale. As they stand with all authority over your little child that's 17, 18 years old, sitting under that pie in the sky, nose in the air teacher. Jesus Christ says, Woe unto you. Jesus Christ loves little children. And if your, if your child passes away and the Lord decides to take them home young, I'm here to tell you, they're safe in the arms of Jesus Christ. Now here's the question, why? Why would the Lord do that? I can't answer that, but let me give you a clue maybe. We got some clues. Look at Isaiah 57. Look at Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1. Let's look at a a clue that maybe what the Lord's doing. And uh, nobody knows, nobody can answer that question. Nobody can answer the question of why the Lord took your child home. Nobody has an answer for that, but maybe we can have a little bit of a clue to it. There might be some clues. Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 1. The righteous perisheth. There's no way more righteous than a little child. No way more righteous than a little child. The righteous perisheth and no man layeth it to heart. And the merciful men are taken away. None considering why that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Only the Lord knows the evil that's around the corner. And what the Bible's telling you there is, you see these righteous men, you see these righteous little children, you see these righteous Christians being took out, being beheaded, being killed, people dying, uh, going into the grave at a young age, and you're like, what, what's going on? And, and the Bible, and Isaiah through the Lord is telling you, the Lord through, Isaiah is telling you that, hey, you're not considering that there's evil to come, and you're not considering that the righteous took away from the evil to come. So taking that verse and considering how the Lord works, you think... Maybe the Lord took your child because he knows that there's something evil that was to come. There was some evil that was to come upon your little child that the Lord seen that was coming. And the Lord said, I'm not going to let that evil happen. I'm going to go ahead and take them home to be with me up in heaven. Now guys, knowing the evil world we live in, and y'all turn on the news just like me and you see the evil. It doesn't take a great imagination to know what little, what some evil that could come upon your child. I mean, I don't, I don't need to, to go into details up here from the pulpit of the evil that could happen to your child and living in this wicked world we live in. And the Lord might have took them knowing that the evil is to come. Also, the Lord might have took your little child because uh, he knows the evil that was to come through that child. See, we think of children, uh, especially young children, pass away. And when that child passes away, that child always is, is looked at as a child with all that righteousness that a child has. 
uh, Brother Trevor is always going to be Brother Trevor. I mean, a young man, he's never going to grow old like me. Trevor's always going to be Trevor, very, very precious. But you give Trevor, or you give any young child 20 years, you give a young child 30 years, only the Lord knows the evil that child might commit. I know that's not something a parent would want to think about, but you, you think the Lord might take your child as he's righteous, which is a blessing, because you don't have to worry about them going to heaven, amen? They're in heaven. Takes them while they're righteous, knowing that 20 years from now, that child might be a murderer, rapist, child molester, drug user. Y'all, y'all, y'all know. And we would never want to think that our child would do something like that. But the Lord knows the evil to come. And he's the only one that knows. And I've seen so many mothers as their son is on death row and is about to be executed. And I know a mother specifically that he didn't do that. All that DNA evidence, all the DNA evidence they had on him. I mean, they had him dead to rights. They had more DNA from other uh, uh, young women that had been killed. They had it dead to rights. And she was there when he was being executed, screaming out, he didn't do that, he's innocent, he's innocent, as they put the guilty man to death. Now, a mother, only a mother have love like that. But the love that mother has is not, she didn't meet that child, she didn't meet that man as he was a murderer, child molester, rapist, killer. She knew that man as the little boy that she, that she raised as, with a mother's love. When that little boy wasn't that way, when that boy was righteous, when that boy didn't have a knowledge of good and evil. And only God knows what the future is to come. It works both ways. You see what I'm saying? It's not just an evil that can come on the child, it's an evil that the child could commit later on. It might not be this, but I'm showing you that it's a possibility. Look back at uh, chapter 55 of Isaiah. Look back at chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 8. Since we're, we're already here, it might just be a page over. It's just a page over for me. It's just a page over for me. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. This is what the Lord says. The Lord says, the Lord God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Lord don't think like us. And when you start trying to th- outthink God and say, why did the Lord do this? Why did the Lord take my child? Why did the Lord bring this evil? Why did the Lord... I, I, I can't say. No, no preacher. Nobody can say. The Lord's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Lord's ways are higher. He has ways He's doing. He has things He's doing. And we can't understand it because He's God. And we're not God. And He wants you to know, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> And you got thoughts for your child to do something, and you got thoughts that your child was going to grow up and be something, and God says, my thoughts were not those thoughts. My thoughts were, I'm going to go ahead and take them home right now. I want them to be with me. Let's finish off in first, uh, excuse me, 2 Samuel. Turn back. Let's see how David handled this. 2 Samuel chapter 12. David had this happen in his life. David lost a young child. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. Let's, let's close this morning by looking at how David handled this. Because David, Jesus Christ's great-great-granddad, David, 
he handled this a certain way. And let's, let's look, we can glean a lot, we can learn a lot from how David handled this situation when he lost a young child. And let's, let's, let's close by looking at this. Now I've shown you that all children go to heaven. I've shown you that Jesus Christ has a heart for your tears. I've shown you that, that your children, your child is safe in the arms of Jesus Christ wherever they're at. And I'm, I'm going to show you now what, how David handled this when he had lost a young child. Look at verse 15. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. Nathan, that's the prophet of God, had just, had just prophesied against David. And Nathan departed unto his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick. David had murdered Uriah and took his wife and slept with his wife. And they had a child together. And of course we know how wicked that is. So the Lord says, because of that, David, I'm going to kill that child. I'm going to take that child home with me. Verse 16, And David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him and to raise him up from the earth, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. He's distraught, he's crying, he's heartbroken. Verse 18, And it came to pass on the seventh day, that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. The first thing David shows you, if you've lost a child this morning, the first thing David shows you is you need to get back to living life. You need to get back to living life. Life goes on. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you're not heartbroken. I'm not saying you don't have sorrow. I've lost a mother at a young age. I've lost a dad to murder. I've lost a best friend. I've lost so many loved ones. Life goes on. And that's what David's showing you. He arose from the earth and washed and appointed, anointed himself and changed his apparel. Hey, loved ones need you. Life goes on. There's other loved ones that need you. You might have other children that need their mom or their dad. You might have a sister or a brother or a husband or a wife that needs you. Life continues. And let me tell you, the Lord needs you. Amen. The Lord needs you. The Lord still has stuff for you. You've got a testimony that you can give where you can help somebody else going through the exact same thing that you went through. They're going through. And you can witness to them, and you can talk to them, and you can help them through their problem. The Lord needs you. I can't help somebody like that. I can show them scripture. I can show them what the Bible says. I can preach a sermon like this. But only somebody who's went through something like that can talk to somebody else and understand. Amen? Amen. The Lord needs people who've suffered like this. But not only do your loved ones need you, the Lord needs you. And can I say that you, you need you? You need you. You, you. You're still got life. God's seen fit to keep letting you breathe. 
The Lord obviously still has plans for you. You need you. So you need to get up, clean up, change your apparel, wash yourself, and say, you know what? Life goes on. God's willing to let me live. Life goes on. And it says there in verse 20 that then David arose on the earth, from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. The second thing David did is he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. If you've lost a, a young child, you just need to get up, you need to clean up, life goes on, and you need to go in and you need to worship the Lord. Now I'll be honest with you. Because you know me, I'm as honest and down to earth as I can be. That will be the hardest thing to do. You're going to go through a period of being mad at God. And I can't say that you're not right for not being mad with God. Because we go through that. We're just flesh. You're, just, you're flesh, amen? You, 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 you're wondering why God did this to me. Why did God take my baby? And you've you got a right to be questioning God. You've got a right to ask God. But you can't ask God if you're not in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You need to go in and worship the Lord. Yes. And you need to realize the Lord has got a plan. And above all else, the Lord took him. Then I better bow down and worship the Lord. Because the Lord's the one that's got him. Amen. If i done shown you that they're safe in the arms of Jesus then you better get and start worshiping this Jesus. This Jesus is the one that took your child. You've already admitted that you believe in God, amen. You already been, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord's the one that took them. The Lord's the one that has them. Then you better get to worshiping the Lord. Amen. You see where my point's going with this? Amen, amen. the Lord has them. That's, where you, that's who you want to butter up. If you're ever going to see Him. And He came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying it's easy to continue living your life. I'm not saying it's easy to get up and start worshipping the Lord again. But I'm telling you, that's what you should do. If you want to be like David. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, David said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? See, David sees it like different than a lot of people see it. He said, If the Lord doesn't take my child, then the Lord's being gracious to me. The Lord doesn't owe me to, for me to keep my child. The Lord doesn't owe it to me for me to keep having this young child. But if the Lord is gracious to me and allows me to keep the child, wonderful. You see where David's heart's at? That's why David's such a great man of God. Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But look at verse 23. This is it, guys. This is the verse. But now he is dead. You acknowledge it. Wherefore should I fast? You know life goes on. You better get up. There's no, reason to, there's no reason more to fast about it. Can I bring him back again? No. Amen? All right, no. That's, that's obvious. There's an obvious answer to that question. I shall go to him. 
but he shall not return to me. I remember being in a store up in Brownwood, and uh, I was at a little garden store that had, had a garden area, and they had a little garden stone. And on this, on this garden stone, it said, if tears could build a stairway and memories a lane, I'd walk right up to heaven and bring you home again. And I remember I had just lost my mom, and I read that, and I looked at that stone, and I said, what a lie. How stupid is that? If tears were stare, it was stare, I'd walk up to heaven and bring you home again. This isn't home. <laughs> Don't, that's the, what the world looks at things. The world likes to say, there's a heaven, and there's not a hell, but there is a heaven, and, but this is home right here. No, this isn't home. This, there is a hell. This is as close as hell as I'm ever going to get, and heaven's my home. And if I had a choice, I'm not going to bring them back to this hell hole. You really, I really want to bring my mom back to this hell hole. No, no I, I don't want to bring any of my loved ones back from paradise, heaven, and bring them back to this hell hole so they can pay taxes, they can go through all the stuff we're living with. Amen? Amen. I want to go there. <laughs> That's, I want to go where they're at. They, that's, where they're, that's where I want to go. I want to bring them home. That's home. I want to go where they're at. So lastly, this is what you got to do. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. You need to make sure you're going to be with them. That's the third thing you need to do once you've lost a child. You need to get up, start living life. You need to worship the Lord. But most importantly, and this is the most important one, you need to make sure... You're going to go to where they're at. How do you do that, Brother Keegan? You believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's obvious if you have a child that you know the difference and you have the knowledge between good and evil. Pretty obvious. You're grown up enough to do that, you have a knowledge between good and evil. And you need to make sure that you know if your child was to die or if your child did pass away, am I going to be with them? Because I know they're safe in the arms of Jesus. I know where they're at. They're up in heaven. Is that where I'm going to be? I had a little niece that had cancer. And she died as a little baby, Tally Ann. And I got up there to the Cook's Children Ho- uh, Fort Worth and Cook's at the Children's Hospital. And I walked in. And I walked in right when, the, right when Tally Ann had died. And she was laying on that table, was gray like a, piece of, like a piece of rock, like a stone, just laying there dead. The nurses were crying. The, there was a doctor in there, and he had tears running down his cheek, and the, the, the baby had just died. Right when I walked in. And so I, I realized what had happened. I walked out, and I didn't see my sister, which was my, that's who the baby, the, my sister was the one whose baby just passed away. I didn't see my sister. I seen her husband. And he walked right up to me. And he had tears rolling down his eyes. And you know what he asked me? Why did God take my baby? Why did God take my baby? Tears rolling down. What do you say? <laughs> I don't know why. So I did the best thing I could. I said, this happened to David. And I, read, I, I told the story just like what, we read to, what we, me and you just read together. And this is what I told my brother-in-law. I said, David said... I'm not going to bring them back to me, but I can go to where they're at. I paraphrased it. And I said, Toby, you need to make sure you're going to go to heaven. Because that's where Tally's at. That's where Tally Ann's at. That's where you need to make sure you're going. 
And he did. He came around and he received the Lord. He didn't do it right then, but he, later on he received the Lord Jesus Christ. He got saved. Now he's in church. He hands out tracts. He, ha- he has some of our tracts. He hands out tracts. And you know what he knows? He knows one day when he takes his last breath, he's going to see his baby again. Amen. And now that hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I don't know for sure. I've told my sister this. I don't know if I've ever told, told him this, but I've told my sister this. I said, I know why the Lord took Tally Ann. The Lord took Tally Ann so her dad would be in heaven with her. Amen. The Lord took her because she wanted to make sure her dad got to go to heaven with her. The Lord sacrificed that little baby so her dad could get to go to heaven. Oh, the Lord's so gracious. It looked, like, it, looked like such a, it looked like such a bad thing when that baby's laying on that cold. It's like such a bad thing. But ten years later, I can look back and say, oh, what a wonderful thing. My brother-in-law's going to heaven. And I can't be for sure he would have without her going on before him. I don't know why the Lord took your child. Nobody can answer that. But I can tell you, your child is safe in the arms of Jesus. And you need to make sure you are too. Do you know? We're about to give an invitation. And the Bible's real plain about it. Jesus is real plain about it. You must come down and receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The free gift to, get out, to pay for all your sins and get into heaven, it's already been paid for at the cross of Calvary. It's, it's a free gift. It's already been paid for. All you have to do is come down and receive it. But a gift can be offered. A gift can be offered, but not received. Jesus Christ loves you as much as he loves those little children. He wants you to be in heaven with him. But he's not going to force you to go. You've got a free will. That's one of the greatest gifts he's given you. When you were born, you were born with a free will. You can do what you want to do. And you can receive it or you can reject it. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to go to heaven and you know heaven's real and you know you're a sinner, you need to come down and receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. We want to give this invitation. Don't put it off. Because who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Mom died at 41. My dad was murdered in his 30s. My best friend was killed about 14 years old on the telephone. His gun blew his guts out. Joker knows that. I don't know how many young people I know who've died. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring you. But God knows. And that's why you're here this morning. He wants to make sure you're going to be there with him. But he's not going to force you. He's gracious. He knocks on the door of your heart. He don't barge into your heart. He, he wants to come in, but he's a gentleman. He's going to knock. And you've got to open the door and say, I receive you. Come on in. And he'll, he'll save you just like he saved me. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care 
upon him.